No time has passed for our listeners, but for us. True. True. <laughs> it's hard when you when you're like ahead when we're we're recording these ahead of time. So, you know, I know. for us it's been a while, but for all of you, it's been no like time. no time has passed. It's just been in the normal 7-day waiting period. So, <laughs> I mean, you you had to suffer earlier this season that that one week without us, but now we're now chugging it's along. 10, 10 continuous weeks with us. So oh, it was a good God, trade. Buckle up. in. Buckle, buckle in. But for but for Jamie and I, we just spent two weeks not catching up with each other and not speaking. I mean, we were texting. Let's not be fucking crazy. But it was hard. It was hard. This this is definitely a part of the week that I like need same more than uh, not just that I enjoy I just like actually need it so I'm glad we're back but it's no one knows that we we weren't back no nobody it's okay yeah we're allowed to share that that was uh that affected us emotionally (laughs) yeah we're allowed to share that this is our feelings (laughs) yeah it's important these are our feelings uh speaking of our feelings today on feeling feelings uh we're gonna be talking about mental health um, and we wanted to put in a little disclaimer before we really get into the episode. Um, first of all, we're not experts. I think what we're going to try and focus on today is both our own personal experiences with mental health and mental illness and what that's meant for us as artists. Um, I also tried to limit any of my research to like, you know, I just wanted to put feelers out there and see, but I'll reference it maybe once in this episode. For the most part, we're just going to have an anecdotal conversation. Um, The other thing is, if this is going to be triggering for you, if you think that maybe us getting into our traumas or anything related to um, the the reason why we do both struggle with varying degrees of mental illness, um, feel free to skip this episode. Like, that's totally cool. We get it. We're not here to, you know, put you in a position where you're having to relive anything or, um, you know, we get it. Go right on ahead. The next one will be a little lighter, <laughs> hopefully. You know, you know, we get deep. By now, you're used to this. But um, there's nothing wrong with saying maybe you're, you're going to bow out of this one. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Know your limits. Exactly. And, you know, feel free to just pause it at any time, too. Like, you don't have to... You don't have to get in here with us, so. Permission granted if you needed that. Yeah. On that note. On that note, should we do some highs and lows? Let's do some highs and lows. Highs and lows. Highs and lows. Highs and lows. I'm not embarrassed this time. I know. Kevin's just too cool for me. He's really too cool for all of us. I was so embarrassed. I just think he didn't know we had the song. No. We should have told him there's a song. I think maybe we'll warn our next guest. Yeah, we'll tell yeah. them there's a we song sing. and we, we just need you to know that. And we need you to be okay with it and accept us. <laughs> and we need you to get the rhythm pretty quickly and jump right in. Please participate. <laughs> I like how we were both nervous too. We were like, are we going to do the song? <laughs> We did that it last episode, oh, and now and now just doing it it makes me think of that the embarrassing oh. moment. So God, we may have to switch it up anyway. Uh, <laughs> Damn it! Who goes first? 
You go. Do you go first? Let's just start okay. a new. Yeah. Start a new. A new cycle. Okay. So, um, this week's highs and lows. Um, my high is that I. It's it's another week where I have to really think about my high. Oh, my friend Andre, um, who's an incredible photographer, uh, premiered his year-long Adobe residency photography project um, called Stories from Here in Los Angeles this weekend. Um, It's a really beautiful um, look at how people's um, lives have been shaped by the places that they grew up or the experiences that they've had growing up. And he photographed me and interviewed me for the project, so I talk about my experience in Danville and what it was like being a queer Jewish kid in a in a rich suburb um in the bay area that's extremely republican so anyway it was like really fun and wonderful and he's an incredible person and i'm just i adore him if you want to check the project out stories from um it was just so great seeing him like in his element surrounded by his beautiful art and he's from brooklyn so also just seeing him in person um so that was a really awesome high and then my awesome. It was great. It was so fun. I highly recommend the project um, if you're into that thing. My low is an, an intense low. I'm I'm coming out right out the gate and saying it. Um, okay. I, and Jamie, I, we haven't even talked about this yet. Um, I have to look for a job. It's happening. We I know like episode one, we talked about day jobs and how I'd been debating. It's I have to. It's time. So um, literally after we record this, I'm rewriting my resume. Damn whoa i mean and i claim it's a low but it's just it is what it is um i'm never gonna stop being a photographer i'm never gonna stop taking photos that's not in the cards and i still don't even know what i really want to do so i have like two avenues of like do i just do a retail job where i can still make art and still take gigs as they come along or do i just want to work for an ad agency and completely switch to the other side of this whole commercial photography world. <sighs> so I, I guess like my low, sorry. No, I was going to say, I feel like this, that's going to come up in this episode. Yes. It's going to come back around because that has a lot to do with like taking care of yourself and your mental Definitely. health. Oh my God. You're not, I, yeah, those were the words that I said to Anthony too. When, when we had the the big talk about me making this move um i would say my low is that i have to do a resume at all <laughs> Ugh, i know yeah, you know you get all it. that yeah so and i have to make like multiple because that's that's the deal when you're applying to more than just the same type of job so yeah and you have to write some like bullshit cover letter cover letter yeah yeah, yeah. i would say that's my <laughs> that's a big yeah, low. That's a low it's it's a um a hurdle i'm willing to take um and hopefully i won't procrastinate it too much because uh, yeah i i know that this is the right next step for me um you've been talking about it for a while and you even said i think you said may was your cutoff time to decide and so now it's june middle of june by the the time this is airing what i think it'll be july yeah so mid-july so maybe by the time you listen to this i have a job oh wow yeah. this this recording schedule is just 
<laughs> yeah, we're gonna we have really, to update people. We've really pulled the curtain back in this episode. The, yeah, our two week break really threw off uh, a lot of stuff there. Transparency that we yeah. we record this very far in advance. <laughs> we're very organized. We do not like to be stressed out and anxious. Yeah. So we'll definitely get into that this episode. Yeah, hence why I'm getting a job. So yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll circle back to that for yes, sure. We will. So. My highs are, well, first of all, I just came off of a 10-day trip to the south of France, which was pretty awesome. It was really, really beautiful, Um, but also because of mental health and because of I don't like to feel anxious, and every time I go on a vacation, I tend to feel really anxious before and during and after it because, like, as a person who works for herself, like nobody does my job for me. So if I go on vacation, like all my work is just waiting for me. So this time I tried something different where I just decided that I was going to like work during it, not the whole time, but I did work. And it actually turned out really good. I enjoyed, yeah, I mean, eventually I don't wanna always be doing that, but at this time, just because I am really busy and um, I feel like there's momentum with my company. I don't want to just, I didn't feel comfortable saying like, well, now I'm off for 10 days. Bye, everybody. Um, So I just kept up to date on everything. And coming back today um, was my first day, like full time back to work. And I was just like so calm. And that felt like a really big high to have overcome something that I thought was like, oh no, I can't work on vacation. And I was like, actually I can, like, it's okay. It's okay to prioritize that. If, if that's like, what's a priority right now, eventually it might not be. So it felt really good to just take care of that. Also Beyonce put out a new album. Yes. By the time everyone listens to this, it'll be like kind of old news. I don't know. Maybe we won't be over it by then. I hope we're not over it. Uh, it's pretty amazing yeah and it's on spotify as of today so cancel your title account everybody well maybe don't i well i I mean i am do or (laughs) do uh yeah i'm it's good it's canceled but it's i mean that's good title title not beyonce Beyonce. never beyonce's never canceled um and then, I dove really deep into like the art history. Like I read me, that thread. Yeah, it was so good. Oh my god, I was like, damn. Also, I love my favorite thing is that people are always trying to discount Beyonce and be like, well, she has a team that came up with that, which really is people trying to say like some man must have come up with that. That's it what can't be Beyonce. Said to me. And I was like, uh, or it was Beyonce and Jay Z, and they're fucking smart. Like what? Like, how do you actually you? think this is a coincidence that Beyonce is in the position that she's in? Come on. Please. I mean, like, we've been obsessed with Beyonce since Destiny's Child. Like, she has made yeah. every move. Like, she's brilliant. It's so, weird that nobody does that with Solange, though, too, where, like, all of her very artistic visuals and albums and everything is, like nobody discredits her as like someone else made that like she is a multifaceted artist and it's so funny that just because Beyonce is like huge people think now she didn't plan this yeah and nobody does that about like Prince 
Yeah. They weren't Do you know like, how much time Beyonce has to think about these things? Also, Beyonce, you don't know Beyonce. I, yeah. I You want to believe that you do, but actually she's the most private, most famous celebrity that exists. She must have a team. So someone else was brilliant. Yeah, but oh, what I was thinking about with that, we're getting off track for a second, but what I was thinking about that is like the fact that for example, everyone credits like Apple's rise to see Steve Jobs as oh, yeah. if he didn't have like a team of thousands of people working for him at Apple. Yeah. And yet if it's Beyonce, who the only difference is she's black and a woman. Yeah. Um, it's like she clearly didn't do all of that. It's her team. It's like smart people surround themselves with talented people. Like that's yeah. OK that she. No, she didn't go to the Louvre and do all of that by herself. Yeah, like doing research to find out like which painting made the most sense to like use as a backdrop. Like, yeah, she definitely did that. <laughs> like, that's a pretty uh, easy thing to do, to be like, this is the narrative that we're telling between the three albums, Beyonce, Lemonade, and now. Yeah. Uh -huh, well, and uh -huh. it, I guess it also includes Jay-Z's album too, as like a part yeah. of the narrative. Ugh. They have narratives. They're they're beyond. They're beyond. Um, so also my other high is that um, I turned thirty three, which was hell yeah. And I turned thirty three with no feelings, which as everyone who potentially listened to the being over thirty episode, wow, real big difference from turning thirty and having crisis. So that was awesome. Congrats. Thank you. And then the low, my low is, I don't want to get into this because this is not the episode, but the news is mm. horrifying. And I feel like you don't even need to know what yeah. is currently happening to know what's going, that it's horrifying, which is just yeah. horrifying in and of itself. Like, you don't even need to know what I'm alluding to, to know that there's something horrifying happening. Yeah, it'll be something different in the middle of July, but it's yeah. still horrifying. <laughs> it'll still be horrifying. So that's just been really, it's been weighing on me. Yeah. Because I'm just like, <sighs> it's not good. Yeah, I feel like um, this is something that I always hear discussed um but i'm not sure if it, i'm i it might be true again we're not experts uh jewish people who are jewish or who are ashkenazi jewish which i am my dna is like 23 and me ashkenazi jew um we carry a lot of the trauma of what happened to our people <laughs> during the holocaust um and i feel and like it, it is easily triggered and it does potentially lead to struggling with mental illness and I feel like we don't have to get into the news, but this it, it's something different related to and mirroring what happened in Nazi Germany like every other week. Like it's mm -hmm. just something where there's more of a parallel and more of a like if you ever visit a um, Holocaust museum, like the sentiments of rebellion and the sentiments of how to avoid that from happening again are like frighteningly spot on when it comes to what's happening and it's I feel like the word triggering isn't even an appropriate word for me and what I struggle with when I go through these things where I take a step back and I think oh that's probably what people said to their family members when the rise of Nazi Germany started 
mm-hmm. <laughs> warning them not to talk about certain things or I don't know watching terrible things happen to other people and wondering when is it going to be you it's a lot yeah actually someone on our Instagram I don't know if it was our Instagram or my personal Instagram said that there is a term for this oh of like having psychic pain there's like yeah. a shoot I didn't I should have uh, told you about that but she there is a term it's a real thing that hmm. you can feel like pain from your ancestors and it's like carried over yeah I mean I've definitely heard it talked a lot about like in temple it's referenced but I I, I have never seen or done research personally about what that's called or what that means um but whatever it is i'm feeling it this week <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah Whew, on that note mm-hmm. mental on health. that note let's get into mental health <laughs> it's not a much lighter topic yeah um, no it's not <laughs> well i think you know obviously by the time this episode airs it won't be as you know current to what's happening right now but you know, with with the news about Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, two people who, like, you just wouldn't suspect, which is not, that's not the, you know, just because you won't suspect it. Like, people are always talking about, oh, they were rich. It's like, well, that we all know that that doesn't, like, help when someone has mental illness. Um, so... You know, we wanted to, felt like it was really important to talk about mental health in its own episode just because we have, we've talked about it throughout all our episodes, but just, I felt it really heavy after, especially after the news of Anthony Bourdain, um, someone who was fighting for many of the same things that we, we are fighting for and resisting and, um, it was like, wow, that that really hit me. Um, and what really hit me was how much, like, the commentary around it, which is like, well, he had such a beautiful girlfriend. Yeah. And, you know, he had such – he was rich and he had this life. And it's like, that doesn't – like all of the conversations I had with people, even my, you know, it was like, well, we don't understand mental illness then. <laughs> like that yeah. doesn't, that do, that doesn't make anything better when you have all of that. In fact, sometimes it exacerbates it because you're like, I have everything and I still feel this way. It makes, sometimes can make how you in your own world can feel even worse of course there's a lot of pain when it comes to poverty and everything like that but um yeah I think that it's good that we talk very openly about our own struggles with this yeah definitely I didn't I guess I didn't realize that my mom for everything that she's gone through um never has really experienced depression which It's fascinating. You know, I always forget that we both processed and dealt with the loss of my dad very differently. And to me, I think because I was a child, 
the idea of losing a partner is like the most horrific thing in the entire world. Like that is my biggest fear. But my mom just powered through it. Like, I don't even think she thought that was a fear, you know, whereas I've grown up with that in the back of my mind. Um, and I think I project a lot of my anxiety and thoughts and feelings onto her, probably unfairly. But, um, you know, when all of the news came out between Kate and Anthony, I was definitely surprised that her reaction was like one of anger and talking about how I mean the very stereotypical like how selfish and the things that you're like things that are hard to hear someone that you know is an empathetic person say mm -hmm. and it really like in that moment hit me that my mom for saying that she's never experienced depression or anxiety like that was when that was the moment where I was like oh no she really hasn't that's it's not just her not knowing or not being able to take a step outside of her body and say, oh, that's what depression looks like. Like she really hasn't because I feel like anyone who's been in the thick of it, no matter how good your life is or how much support you have or how many friends are there for you and checking in on you, like that, that like darkness just finds a way through the cracks. Well, yeah, and it also, to think, to think of it as selfish would be to believe that you're worthy and that people love you and depression tells you that they, that you're not and that they don't. So that doesn't really help. You're not, you're thinking it would be better without me. I'm a, I'm a burden. Um, I personally have struggled with depression and absolutely more often with anxiety, um, but it, it can turn into depression. I've never been at the brink of suicidal. Um, I am like terrified of death and I think that's, that's like kept me um, from going that extreme into, or not like, not that it's a choice, but like I just, tend to get back from the edge because I'm like so scared of death. Like I can't even think about death without getting absolutely horrified. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is. It's just That's like, pretty common. I, I would say you're yeah. not alone in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it has never appealed to me just because that fear outweighs the pain or like the numbness of depression. Mm -hmm. But just because I haven't experienced it, I can understand how it can get to that point because it's it's just the worst feeling. And when people say like depression lies, you don't think that it does when you're in that. I mean, you really actually believe that like your life is not worth it, that it's not, <clears throat> that you're just not worthy. Um, I mean, that's how mine always manifests as yeah. like everyone no one wants me around really. And like, I get really numb. So it's not this like, I'm not just sad. I'm just numb, which is yeah. a horrible feeling. Well, and, and for me having experienced and seen death super early, I, 
I think I developed a very unhealthy obsession with it. Um, hi, my username is JZombie. Yeah. And you love horror movies. And I love horror movies. And, and I, I hate follow. Them. Yeah. And I, and I, I mean, I wanted to be a crime scene cleaner for a while. I follow multiple medical Instagram accounts who do autopsy examinations still, like now. Um, I am like very not afraid, <laughs> which can be a really unhelpful um, state of mind when you do struggle with depression. <laughs> <laughs> to be the person that isn't afraid of it and like respects it and understands what it means if for if anything i think that that respect for it is probably more of what prevents me but it doesn't stop me from being um or experiencing suicidal thoughts i think it's taken me i mean now that i'm 30 i have this ability and probably also thanks to therapy to tell people when I am in that space but in my in my teens and in my early 20s I did not at all I mean I remember going to the counselor on campus in college and telling her that I was reckless and that I was doing things that were scaring me and that I was afraid that I would go too far um and she basically dismissed me, like did not care because it turns out camp campus counselors aren't <laughs> the same as going to a therapist. Um, yeah, they're like not equipped for that. But I remember um, telling someone and their reaction basically being like, okay, well, like, have you tried running? Or have you tried not doing drugs? I was like, oh, what a novel idea, not doing drugs. Are you serious? Um, and so I think I had this experience in like the darkest moment trying to reach out where reaching out didn't help. So I stopped doing that. Um, but I now as a full grown adult realize that that's not, that's not true. There, If you have your people and if you can both help each other understand what um, that vulnerability needs because that's the thing I think some friends like they don't know what to do you know they don't know what's helpful they don't know what's needed um, they don't know what would it's scary to be on the other side and also have no idea what a suicidal person like requires um, and I'm and I'm thankful that I have a very close friend who I can reach out to and tell and have them know because we've had conversations about it exactly what it is that I need to come back from that place um, or at least try to help me come back I think that's the other thing that you know we talk about is like I I am not at a point where anything would happen I'm right now I'm in a very good place thankfully but I also you know wanted to make it clear like if anything were to happen it's not anything you know it's not on that person like that's a lot of pressure to put on someone else too um but for us it was having that conversation that had to happen of like here are the things i need and if they don't work like please don't make please don't think that this is about you well i think it's it's important to find people who who understand it even if they're not in the same place or struggle with the same issues it's 
you got to find someone who is not going to make you validate your experience over and over. Like I, I've stopped talking to certain people about mental health things because like I find it very unhelpful when I say I'm feeling really anxious. To me, it's like you have to know that that's me reaching out and not yeah. say, what are you anxious about? And it's like, yeah. I mean, do you really want to know? Like today, it's really funny actually. Today, I when Hossam woke up, I we were like, you know, in bed cuddling or something and he... I started talking about something I can't remember exactly and it was like oh we so we're moving to on we're moving to Cannes for the summer um, to the south of France and um, I started I was like you know I wonder if like it's gonna be too hot like if without air conditioning in the apartment because I guess one person reviewed on Airbnb that that a con was that there's no air conditioning in the apartment. And I was like, so what are we going to do? Like, da, 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 da. And this is like a month away. And also it's air conditioning. Like, who cares? And he was like, this is what you think about in the morning. I was like, this is one of the things I think about. I was like, this is mental illness, though, right now. Like, this is what I think about all the time, yeah. every day. He was like, why do you not think about the good things like why do you always go negative and I was like because I have anxiety (laughs) like I I, that is my brain my brain does not know how to like course correct into positive it does not think that automatically and it was just like the most perfect example of being like wow I'm I'm this is a different thing than what he experiences which I already knew that but I mean it was very clear that even just in the morning, these are the things that are going through my mind and I think it's normal. But really, I think it's obviously like anxiety just like playing itself out in my mind over and over and over. And I listen to it and I kind of like go, okay, we don't need to worry about this right now because if I don't listen to it and I keep pushing it down, it turns into like full-blown depression, which I don't, I like can't deal with that. Um, who can? But like... Um, but it's really hard to talk to people who, believe it or not, like have never experienced mental health issues because it's like they don't understand a brain that does that. They're just like, well, how do you not just think like this? And I'm like, I don't think like that. (laughs) Like, I don't know how to tell you. I don't like my brain goes to anxiety all the time and I have to be vigilant about what happens. Um... And so I've always, I used to think that I was so different and something was wrong with me because, I mean, in my family, no one's open about it. And even if anyone does struggle with it, they don't know or they don't talk about it or they don't want to admit it. Like it's very, when we all hang out, it's very, we all laugh and have fun and that's what we do. And I was always the one that's like, I want to talk about my feelings and then I was the sensitive one and then that sensitivity then turned into like no now I'm the cold one and I don't have any feelings and and then you met me and we just expressed all of our feelings together in a room or through gel pen notes to each other yes Jessica was part of my 
<laughs> emotional education. <laughs> yeah, that's not wrong. Um, I, I was curious about where the link between being creative and mental health exists. And I feel like I think about that, especially with your family, since your brother, your older brother is so creative. Um, but I know, again, that that's not necessarily something that anyone in your family is really open about. Um, and my experience is similar too, right? Like nobody in my family, except for my uncle, um, is very open or talks about mental health um, or their experiences. Um, and so I this is my minor research that I did. Um, there's an article in Scientific American um, about the real link between creativity and mental illness. And I felt like this was really interesting and really relevant, especially for you and I, Jamie. Um, and so, you know, going into, yes, there are predominant artists who have mental illness, but here's the quote. Um, research does show that many eminent creators, particularly in the arts, had harsh early life experiences, such as social rejection, parental loss, or physical disability, and mental and emotional instability. However, this does not mean that mental illness was a contributing factor to their eminence. There are many eminent people without mental illness or harsh early life experiences, and there's very little evidence suggesting that clinical debilitating mental illness is conductive to productivity and innovation. I think we talked about this on one of the episodes that we've already recorded, but I don't do well when I am going through like a depressive or anxious episode. I yeah. don't, all things come to a halt. It's actually like what I was saying in my highs about working during vacation that was not like out of a workaholic need. It was out of like, I cannot let my anxiety get to the place where I'm so paralyzed that I can't do anything. And then I feel even worse. And then I get more anxious and more anxious. That was like me saying, I know my boundaries. I know my limits. I have to take care of this. Um, so I do not, nothing happens when I'm depressed at all. I don't, I mean, it's not inspiring to me. I don't like it. I would. I am a much more productive, happy person when I'm managing my mental health, and that comes from routine, and had in the past come from being on anti-anxiety medication. Like to me, my mental health has been managed, and my creativity has just like been a lot better since saying, you know what. I need to take care of this in a real, almost kind of clinical way. Like, okay, I get anxious when? So what is the action step I can take to avoid getting into that position? Like it, I approached it as if I was like prescribing myself a routine of what needs to happen because the whole like, I'm an artist and like being sad is part of my thing. You know what? I was just sad. I, and I, and the thought about, and when I was sad and write, and especially with my writing, when I was writing sad things and I was pushing out those sad things, the thought of gaining success and notoriety from writing sad things was horrifying to me. Cause I yeah. was like, all I would have to do is just be more sad. 
And that, that just was like, no, I can't do that. And I'm not going to. So I was like, I only want to, I only want to experience success when I feel well. Yeah. I also deeply relate to this. I think this was something that I had previously brought up. I feel like we even put a quote about this on Instagram. <laughs> I don't, I don't make good art when I'm depressed at all. Um, when I'm in my funk, I'm like, pass by. Um, and I also think my art is definitely a reflection of my mood. Um, and I like that my art is bright and colorful and airy and light. And so, yeah, when I'm depressed, I don't necessarily, or when I'm extremely anxious, I don't necessarily make good work that I'm proud of. Um, but I also found another quote, and this is the last of my quotes, um, that I like, I feel like a bell went off inside of me when I read this. And I was mm. like, oh, okay. Like, maybe I should think about that approach differently. Um, so this says, creatives experience higher rates of mood disorder than the general population. The extremes of highs and lows tend to be brief, balanced by long periods of normal effect. During these respite periods, Creatives frequently reflect upon and draw from memories and experiences of their darker times to create their best art. Which, like we've both said, like, oh, I can't, when I'm in it, when I'm in the thick, I don't make good art. I don't know that I necessarily pull from the art, those moments of like low, but I do think I experience the highs differently. Like when you've had a low? Yeah, so I feel like that's something that I really haven't thought about is do I experience the, like, joy more, I guess, clearly because I'm no longer in my dark, low, depressed state. I think, you know, we've talked about anxiety. My anxiety is, like, baseline always there. I will constantly have to work through it and push it aside maybe stop thinking 20 steps ahead and only think five steps ahead. <laughs> you know, I got to pull myself back from that constantly. But my depression, like this quote is saying, for me personally, I experience it that way. And I guess I've never really considered that. I definitely have extreme highs and extreme lows. But like this is saying, they're brief. And I think you know, I've touched on experiencing like manic periods. Usually those are triggered by a hormonal change, like being mm -hmm. on twitching my birth control. But I think it's because that's a like extreme intense version of the regular, you know, highs and lows that I experience, which are just brief. And then usually I have just a period of like, okay, things are better normal like I can work through some of my pain I can work through the rejection um rejection being a big trigger to sending me into lows um yeah and I wonder if my art does genuinely come from that dark place even though I always say it doesn't you know I mean I think that there's inspiration to be drawn from the dark times and the low times. And I know that in the past, like a de definitely in my 20s, I would go through these like really intense ups and downs or not. Actually, I wouldn't even say ups and downs. It's more like darkness and light. Yeah. <laughs> Lightness. It was like 
there was just pockets of time where I don't even remember anything because I was just like not alive to my life um, or present at all. I was just checked out. That to me was a lot of my depression was like checked out. And then the times where I wasn't checked out, it was like, oh my God, I'm like, you know, Aladdin and Jasmine on the carpet, like a whole new world. (laughs) I mean, it was like this whole thing. And I got really, I think I got almost like addicted to that feeling of, oh my God, I have so much energy. I'm so productive. I'm motivated. And then it just got to a point where I was like, this is unsustainable because I can't just like check out of my life and then come back in because in those times where I was like checked out, I would spend a lot of money. I would like kind of make a lot of mistakes that I then when I checked back in, I was like, oh, shit, like yeah. I have like $30 in my bank account. Like what the fuck? I totally. have more debt. Um, So I think that like I have maybe been since choosing stability over those ups and downs, I can definitely see that there's a pattern that I'm not writing as much. I'm not like as maybe not as artistic like or like personally artistic I mean I have a really creative job so I'm always on when it comes to creativity but like my own things my own projects those have kind of like floated away but in the sense but I'm kind of like I'm okay with that because like you know what if I have to go through like blackout periods of depression in order to like write things for myself I'm like I'm not willing to take that I'm not willing to like have that be the trade-off anymore so I don't I only want to write when I am stable and if that makes it might make my writing less you know manic which it probably was in the past and I, I think that's a maybe a subconscious choice I made at some point where I was like I choose to be stable and well and mentally healthy more than I choose my my like specific type of art that I thought that I would do which is writing I mean a lot of it comes back to writing because I think that there's my writing has definitely been quote unquote inspired by those like blackout periods followed by like intense productivity yeah I always wonder if like um people who maybe don't experience any well first of all people who haven't experienced extreme traumas not to say that mental illness is exclusively reserved for those people um obviously genetics play a part in it um but I think you know there's multiple um triggers that will that mental illness manifests as and I think I wonder if people who just don't experience trauma, don't have a family history of mental illness, maybe haven't experienced mental illness, don't find themselves in these more creative positions, either as a career or as a hobby, because there isn't any, I always feel like there's balance, right? Like without hatred, without evil, how can like love truly be appreciated and experienced? Or how can goodness and kindness be like viewed, right? Like if the normal baseline thing that everyone does is just goodness, kindness, empathetic, that's just normal then, right? Like it changes what is standard in society. Um, And I think 
knowing that there's like true evil out there provides that like example of what the full opposite is in a way well yeah i think if people don't experience trauma um or have mental illness like art is an outlet for that but if you don't have a need for that outlet you don't like and i i personally don't know a lot of people who haven't struggled with at least some sort of trauma or mental health and I also think there's just like a lot more information out there about mental health that people are starting to realize, you know what, uh, this is something I've struggled with for a long time. Like it, it's really interesting because without any judgment, I can tell people, I can tell when someone has had therapy and when they haven't because the people who have had therapy tend to take uh, responsibility for their reactions and their emotions and they don't like spew their pain onto others there is a person in my life currently who um is just like it's unchecked trauma unchecked pain that they just like subconsciously throw onto others like here deal with my shit um because i i can't and i don't want to and i just want to be like go to therapy just go to therapy please like it'll help you it'll help me it'll help everybody like around you you will be a more pleasant person um, because there is for a long time. I didn't want to say that I had depression um, or mental illness in general because I felt that it was like a disempowering thing to feel. Um, I don't feel this anymore, but I thought then that means I'm just like I have an illness and I can't change it. And instead I started to think like, no, I need to be more empowered by this and say that like, I I acknowledge that this is something that I struggle with and therefore I can take all the necessary steps. Like it, it I have to be more careful about people that I let into my life or circumstances that I allow and how I feel about myself. Like for me, self-care is not just like, doing face masks and thinking positive thoughts. I'm like, self-care is a whole thing. Like I have to be vigilant about self-care. Otherwise I'm like sliding. I mean, and I, there's, I even have with one of my friends, like we have an emoji that we use. It's the blue spiral emoji. And we like send it to each other, like as an SOS, like I'm spiraling, I need help. Like get me out of this. Cause that's how it feels. You're just like looking up from a ditch being like, how do I get out of here? And how did I even get the fuck in here? Yeah. I think the last year has also been really interesting with the rise of the me too movement. And mm -hmm. um, for those of us who have experienced sexual trauma, I think in general, the man who is our president can also just be a trigger. <laughs> and so I, I definitely think, an added layer to my um I guess like instability this last year has definitely come from a lot of that and while like I can understand the goodness and the and the like way that our culture is shifting by having those conversations and I think the same thing can be said of the unfortunate um passing of Anthony and and of Kate it's they're great conversations that should be had especially by people who maybe don't experience the world the way that 
you and I or other people who with mental illness do. Um, yeah, I think it can be hard to also, when you are someone who has experienced those things, to want you like I want to get in the trenches like I want to be an activist I want to talk about my trauma I want to be open about the fact that I you know have experienced suicidal thoughts and had periods where I was suicidal but it's being vulnerable in that way can be embarrassing and and like I'm embarrassed that I've ever been suicidal and I'm embarrassed that I was sexually assaulted multiple times and I'm embarrassed that like one of my longest relationships was like filled with emotional abuse and I had no idea when I was in it. Um, And it's such like a, I mean, I think our culture definitely has a, when it doesn't know something has a tendency to blame the victim. Um, And I think that I'm happy to see that shifting and I'm happy to see the conversations occurring around that's that kind of um mentality like going away but yeah I also just think that this has been a really hard year probably thanks to the internet making us all so connected um but for a lot of people who have experienced those traumas it can be like rough to find I guess calm waters when it seems like everything is always a storm well it's really rough I think when and everybody says like don't read the comments but it's more it's less about the comments it's more like the surprising opinions people have about things that don't seem it's like there's no two sides to this issue and yet that somehow you've created like five sides to it what the hell like how did this even turn into that um like to have something like sexual assault having nuance is like no there's no nuance like and I I've experienced a sexual assault that was like you know I didn't have any agency you can't blame me I was like five I was five years old so it's like does that make mine worse like does that make does that make me more believable and it's like that that's this mentality of like questioning everybody people having really really bizarre opinions i mean like bizarre opinions on like suicide and depression and like you know saying that someone can just like get get running or you know like who deserves to be happy like yeah it's like it's like there's criteria for what makes those those like struggles okay yeah for some and reason <laughs> exactly I mean especially like uh there and you can see I mean I love that word criteria because it really does seem to have this like well if you check off these boxes and yet we know that that's not true we know that you can check off those boxes and still be unhappy and still be dissatisfied and yet we still believe that like if a man, for example, has a hot girlfriend, he should be happy. Or if a woman has seen like huge success and is thin, like Kate Spade, yeah. she should be happy. Like she should have been happy with that and she shouldn't have struggled with that. And, but also, 
the fact that all of these conversations are centered around like famous people with lots of resources it's like we're also not getting into the real conversation of like how we have a society that's just I mean so ignorant about mental health and actually like bullies people who have sensitivities who are different who have those uh who have some of the like positive traits mm -hmm. about being like a kind empathetic sensitive person because like uh, so it's there's just all of these things where it's like we sort of like starve out so many of these qualities from people and then blame them when it's like you can't handle it it's like, well and and uh, i think it was anthony's brother or so someone made a statement that was like he was going to therapy like he had just seen a therapist that, right before and you know you can have all the resources in the world but i think it's important to know that sometimes living with mental illness is not sustainable and i saw someone say like i can't imagine if some of my friends who took their lives at 30 had made it to 60 how happy they would be just knowing that they had come that far and i felt like that was such an interesting shift in the conversation of like man what a like amazing life he had that he made this big of an impact and struggled for that long and made it that far um mm -hmm. i mean it's not easy on anyone around that person and no one is saying that it should be or is um but that's a pretty good point when you look at it as like a if if it's just him like if he remove all of the outside factors and like yeah that's pretty fucking incredible to have struggled for that long with addiction and mental illness um doesn't make it less tragic or sad but no and it also i think like Unfortunately, in American society, I feel like if you do struggle with mental illness and you are trying to better your mental health, there's just every reason you would have to feel to to like have evidence for your mental illness to just like continue is there. There's like you can't it doesn't make you there's no like a sense of community is not really a thing um there it, it's the culture is based around like personal achievement and this idea that like perfection and money will make you happy even though you can't achieve perfection <laughs> it's like money actually doesn't make you happy so everything is just like this huge illusion that then you have to believe will uh, and there's no resources and it's it's almost like you wake up and you're just like, my God, everyone's been lying to me for so long and I don't know what to do about it. And I mean, we've realized this, but it took me a long time and I'm like pissed that I spent so much of my 20s trying to figure this all out when really it was like, I just can't believe anything society tells me to believe. <laughs> like that was the answer all along was because I kept getting, that's that, those were always my triggers of like, I'm disconnected from myself or yeah. I'm believing something about who I should be or what I should do. And it's, it's like triggering me into an episode, um, you know, cause like, for example, my anxiety is always, always around, like, I'm not where I think I should be, or 
I don't have what I think I should have or I'm not good enough. And it's all based on a comparison of other people. And yet our entire culture is based around being better than others. Like that is the goal underneath everything. That is the goal is to be better than others. That is the that is the conversation around privilege. That is the that's the thing. And it's like, man, that sucks because like that leads to so much bullying, that leads to shaming because when people shame others, it's because they want to make themselves feel better. And it's like, man, that sucks. Like the goal in life shouldn't be like, well, at least I'm not that. It's like, God. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting too. Like we're definitely talking about, there's no order of operations when it comes to the seriousness of mental illness. So let me add a disclaimer there. But depression and anxiety, especially as people get older, life gets harder, you experience more traumas, they do become more common. Um, And we haven't touched on more serious mental illnesses, I think probably because we don't have firsthand experience with them. Um, But I do like that you touched on the lack of resources. I think it's fascinating that in America, they... I mean, institutions are like this thing that when we think about them now, we think of the human rights violations and people basically living in their own filth and to caregivers that actually don't care and them being wards of the state for finance, basically just paying the government per bed per head. Um, but because of all of that, those things that we picture when we picture an institution, so many institutions got shut down and don't exist anymore. And and because in, for some reason, uh, like basically a exposés and, and these important exposés, the decision was there is no alternative. There is no care. There is no, we don't have a system set up that looks like the retirement community system. So shut it all down. Um, and I think it's probably a big reason why homelessness populations in major cities are so huge. Um, and I, and I, hope but i'm not sure if this will happen anytime in my lifetime i hope that that changes i do think that there are caring empathetic and understanding people who go into medicine who would be able to operate institutions for people who need help who need a bed who need medication who suffer from extreme mental illness to like get better and get care um and get off the streets, hopefully, because I know that's a big thing. Um, I just wanted to touch on that because I feel like you know we're we're definitely talking about things that can be manageable, um, but there's like so many deeper experiences, and I think that are also cliches of artists too. You know, we talk about Van Gogh cutting his ear off like it's this cute thing. Um, it's not, yeah, <laughs> and it's, that's yeah, old. yeah. And if and if you're curious too about like hearing more about that, just a I watched a documentary on HBO called A Dangerous Son, um, and it talks about young boys who act out in rage, likely because of mental illness, um, who struggle to find, their families struggle to find help um, within institutions in the state because there's so few. And the ones that do exist have like seven beds and a six-year-long wait list. And in the meantime, these boys are putting themselves and their communities at risk. Um, it's a super, super interesting look at what I think is like a really big problem and is very indicative of how America approaches mental illness. 
yeah, there's a larger conversation to be had. Um, but I, I appreciate that in this podcast, we stick to our own experiences and try not to veer too far off into a lane that we're not privy to, because I think that that's, I feel like that's another issue in America is just like projection all over the place of like, well, I don't experience that. So that might, must not be real. And it's like, well, okay, that's not true. But also don't like project experience onto other people. Like, I don't, I don't know what it's like to need hospitalization for mental health issues. Um, I can empathize and think that that's probably really scary. Um, but I think that it's important to, yeah, first acknowledge that there, there are different levels of mental health. Like what we're talking about, there is it is manageable. It has not gotten to a place where, you know, but also I do know some people who have seek, sought hospitalization and they weren't like girl interrupted. No, it's not cute. <laughs> yeah, like that's part of it is like there are people who are genuinely removed from, you know, this reality that we live in. Um, but there's a lot of people who need help in a sense where it's like they just they they need to stop their thoughts in a way that's like they can't just go for a run or, you know, meditate or, you know, even go on medication really quickly and change that. It needs to be a, like a really just how you would work on, you know, like you would seek treatment for cancer or anything yeah. like that. I mean, yeah, it's an illness. Yeah. It's an illness, and it's so strange that that's still being justified. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you acknowledge that, and I'm glad that, like, there there are so there are just not enough options for this, and it affects people in such a different way because it's like it's in the mind. Like, it's hard to divorce what the what. The mental illness is saying versus like what you actually think um and that's that's really diff it's very challenging um but yeah um before we wrap this up um yeah i yeah i also want to say um when i was in my 20s i after that um horrible counseling experience i called the national suicide prevention lifeline and it was actually really nice to talk to a stranger who didn't know me and who didn't know my life and had no judgment. Um, you know, not I've heard some people have had bad experiences calling. Hopefully that's I, I didn't have that experience. So um, I just want to say if you're struggling and you are embarrassed and you don't know how to reach out to someone and you don't want to tell a friend, you know, I, I know there's been a lot of this conversation about this number and what does it mean? And if it's hard to reach out, but I also know that when you're in the darkest place possible, there's always a tiny bit of you that wants to. At least for me, that was true. So I mm -hmm. want to give the number. Um, it's 1-800-273-8255. Um, there's also an online chat, which is mm. super amazing. So if you don't That's even cool. want to call someone, because I know my anxiety makes me adverse to being on the phone they have an online chat now as well so i cannot recommend that enough well people have been saying and rightfully so that you know when you're deep in it you might not always want to reach out and 
But I, I honestly think everyone's different. Like, yeah. I personally, I like to reach out when I'm really deep, um, not necessarily to a close friend. Like, I've had instances where I just, like, word vomit onto someone, <laughs> like, unsuspecting person that I'm like, okay, well, you don't know me very well, but I'm going to need you to understand this and hear me. So I think everyone's different, and it's important to just talk about all the ways that it can be helped because I really, it matters. Like, to me, how much there has, how much awareness there has been around mental health has helped me so much just feel way less ashamed about having, like, dark thoughts about veering towards the negative about experiencing depression like it has helped me take away that stigma so much whereas I just used to feel very very ashamed and I was just like why can't I just be better like why can't I just be happy like what's wrong with me um so all that awareness it I mean it matters it does and everyone's going to be different but I mean it doesn't mean we should stop giving resources and stop talking about it. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh. All right. Whew. Scratch that surface in an hour. Yeah. We could have, I think there was a lot more we could have gone with, yeah. but I think that's good for now. We'll get yeah. more into it as the time. I mean, we always talk about it, but I think this was good. Yeah. I mean, it's a part of who both of us are I think so yeah um this conversation will continue and I and I you know I like that we have the happiness choosing happiness episode juxtaposed with this it's it's a little um they go hand in hand I think yeah and just if either of us resonate with you um please feel free to like message us um email us um directly or to the podcast instagram or on facebook i mean you don't have to put like a public post on facebook i know how that goes but um private message like always down to listen yeah hear you even if it's like hey you said this thing and i'm not pumped on it like i please feel free to reach out it's yeah i definitely i always want to grow and learn and um hear more people's experiences and become more empathetic so definitely yeah okay okay well thank you for listening this has been feeling feelings of conversation the highs and lows of being an artist and also apparently just a human yeah yeah so uh thank you okay thank you okay bye oh bye